Our third scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 6 through 9 and 18 and 19. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Jesus said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what should I compare it? It is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in the garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in, it, in its branches. The Gospel of the Lord. Author of life, we thank you for your word, and we ask that your spirit be with us this morning and within us this morning so that we might be transformed in heart, mind, and soul. Amen. It feels fitting to me that on this first Sunday in spring, we would hear these nature-oriented parables. I want to begin by looking at the second teaching we heard about the mustard seed. I've heard a fair number of preachers disparage Jesus's botanical skills because of his use of this plant. As Christ searches for a metaphor to describe the kingdom of God, he settles upon a mustard bush. Specifically, a mustard bush that gets so large that birds can build nests in its branches. And for Northern European and North American audiences, this might sound incredible. When we try to imagine mustard, we're probably likely to picture a field of mustard plants that are just a few feet tall. But when Christ is using this imagery, we should picture a bush that can grow to be 20 feet tall and just as wide. And the seed that grows this mighty shrub is still less than an eighth of an inch tall. And I wanted to figure out just how impressive this change is, so I did the math to find the volume of a 20 by 20 bush in inches, and then I compared that to the volume of a single mustard seed, and then I did it a few more times because I couldn't believe the answer, because I was shocked to see that this bush is over 25 million times the volume of a single seed. Having this drastic change clearly in sight should help us move closer to the understanding of this metaphor that Jesus' primary audience would have had instinctively. And in addition to this unbelievable growth, there's something else we should know about the mustard bush. This is not a plant that requires lots of human effort to succeed. Instead, this is a plant that has adapted to survive in the semi-arid wilderness of the Judean countryside. Given sunlight and a little bit of water, these plants explode into this growth all on their own. 
So what is the kingdom of God like? It's like a tiny seed that takes root in the ground and grows abundantly whether or not it gets help along the way. In other words, the kingdom of God is not dependent on our work to come to fulfillment. Certainly, we can participate in its success, but we're not the beginning and the end of the kingdom. The Spirit is going to do what the Spirit needs to do. Now compare this to the parable of the fig tree. And this teaching, it should be noted, comes right after the instruction last week that we heard about repentance. As such, we should understand the fig tree in this metaphor to be symbolic of us as individuals. So unlike the mustard seed that's experienced extraordinary success, this fig tree is bearing no fruit. The owner of the tree, after three years of no fruit, is so upset that he approaches the gardener and tells him to cut it down. The gardener negotiates a little bit more time for the tree. Let me care for it for one more year before you cut it down, he says. So what are we like? We are like this fig tree, capable of bearing good fruit if we get some time and attention. Unlike the mustard seed of the kingdom, our growth is not quick and unassisted. Once the seed of the gospel is planted in our hearts, we need someone who will nurture our growth. We need someone to prune away the parts of us that have been occupied by death so that new growth can occur. We need someone to ensure that we have the spiritual food and water we need to mature into something strong and healthy. We need protection from the pestilent forces that seek to corrupt us and feed off of us. It takes all of this work to save us from destruction. And as I thought about how much work it takes to be disciples of Christ, I was reminded of something I saw while on my trip to Korea. While we were there, we noticed that nearly every tree in the city was being meticulously shaped by guideposts and ropes to be both visually pleasing and functional. In order to ensure that the trees wouldn't have to be later cut back from walkways or buildings, an effort was made up front to ensure they grew in unobtrusive ways. This is what it's like to nurture the seeds of the gospel. We can't just plant the seed and walk away. We can't just toss some water on someone in baptism and call it a day. In serving the word, we are making a commitment that we will nurture one another. All of that being said, there is a hard truth in this teaching of Christ. It's a teaching that should resonate with any of us who've ever worked with plants before. Sometimes, you can plant a seed. You can do everything right to ensure that the seed grows. You can make sure it's in the right kind of soil, that it gets the right amount of sunlight, the right amount of water, and yet it doesn't grow. Or even if it starts to sprout and grow somewhere along the line, it might just die. Such is the way of things with plants 
and with people. The gardener does not provide the owner of the fig tree with a money-back guarantee that he's going to make the tree produce fruit. He secures one more year to try. He's not quite ready to give up on the tree yet, but he's also not foolish enough to make a promise he can't keep. We can't guarantee that we can make the seed of the gospel grow in someone's heart. Even after being exposed to the life-giving power of the Spirit and exposed to the light of the gospel and nurtured in the teachings of the church, there are some hearts that will simply refuse to produce good fruit. I know this is probably not a popular message in the feel-good environment of the contemporary church, but there comes a point when we have to acknowledge that a person's unrepentance isn't something that we can fix. No amount of work on our end is going to make a rotten tree bear fruit. So rather than exhaust ourselves trying to bring back to life that which was never alive, we must commit ourselves to tending the garden of the kingdom where there is life. I should clarify here that I'm not saying that it's up to us to destroy that which doesn't bear fruit, but what I am saying is that we can't be so distracted by the loss of what might have been that we stop harvesting the fruit of other trees. We can't let our past expectations define our future realities. We are called to work the part of the garden around us, knowing that beyond our sight, the kingdom continues to grow by the work of the Spirit. Amen. Please pray with me. God of the garden, plant the seed of your good news within our souls. Rain the blessings of the Spirit down upon us. Feed us on the teachings of your Son. Make us to bear good fruits that continue to spread the seeds of your kingdom. Amen.